Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas post to you and yours. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's NFL and college football bowl cards. And, Victor, hope you had yourself a very Merry Christmas. Looking forward to the new year as well. Let's hope Santa was good to you and Sandy as well. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Right back at you and at Colleen. A very nice uh, Christmas holiday in regards to our family. And even better, a really nice Christmas weekend for our uh, King Creole customers and clients. We mentioned last week our three-game totals triple play, and that brought home the bacon on Saturday. Of course, one of those plays was the Dallas-Philadelphia over that we talked about on last week's podcast. 74 total points scored. The game ended up going over by the third quarter. Nicely done there. We wrapped up the weekend with the Monday night play on under the total in the Chargers-Colts game. You saw what happened in that one. Final score, 20-3. to Yet another NFL primetime game that went under the total, as they have done with great regularity this season. And uh, also, Mark, finally, you know, with our winner last night in the Birmingham Bowl on over the total, In the Coastal Carolina, East Carolina game, we have quietly started the bowl season with a 5-1 ATS record Mm -hmm. for our King Creole clients as well. We're very pleased with those results thus far as we head into a big-time five-day bowl bonanza here. Yeah, the bowl season is well underway. Kudos, Victor. Congratulations on the great bowl start. Unfortunately for me, in that same game where you cashed your over ticket, I blew a big ticket on Coastal Carolina in the football game. It was really hard for me to watch Grayson McCall, their yeah. quarterback, best player on the field, best player in the Sunbelt Conference three years in a row, go down when Coastal Carolina was winning 14-10 to 10 in the second quarter, and there went the Chanticleer's chances. But nonetheless, we're not here to cry about spilt milk. We're here to talk about the college bowl games and the NFL games on tap. This weekend, looking back at the college bowl card this so far this season, Victor, I'm going to ask you what you've noticed here. But before I do that, let me pass along a couple of notes that I derived out of the well-oiled machine, if you will, Uh, in the bowl games. A lot like we talked about last year, college bowl dogs thus far that are coming off a win are now 10 and two against the spread. Pretty nice little running run there. We mentioned it was five and all last show, 10 and two right now, as they're speaking on the podcast today. Upcoming teams will be Thursday in the Pinstripe Bowl, Syracuse. Also Thursday in the Aloha Bowl, Washington Huskies. On Friday, those qualifying teams would be NC State in the Duke Mayo's Bowl. And also Pittsburgh Panthers in the Sun Bowl, South Carolina in the Gator Bowl, and Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. There'll be five more qualifying plays in this particular situation from Saturday on out. You want to check out the college bowl guide to pick up on who those teams just might be. And one other note that I picked up here, Victor, is also in the college bowl so far. Favorites 
of five or less points in bowl games, taking on opponents that are coming off a win. There have been six of them, and all six have lost the money. We're going to have, in this particular situation, on Thursday, two plays. Texas will be in that role in the Alamo Bowl, Minnesota in the Pinstripe Bowl. On Friday, three plays, Clemson in the Orange Bowl, UCLA in the Sun Bowl, and Maryland in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. There will be three more on Saturday on out. And once again, check out who they all might be in the college football bowl guide. Still plenty of great information in that bowl guide to take you from now through the final bowl games on New Year's Day or post-New Year's Day on January 2nd. What did you pick up, Victor, from the well-oiled machine as well, what you've learned in the bowl games to date? Well, Mark, you mentioned the bowl dogs, and we're now 21 bowl games uh, through, have finished, completed, dogs 11 and 10 ATS. You mentioned a really nice stat about Bulldogs who are coming in off a win. Uh, and, of course, the teams to watch out for in the upcoming bowls. Not so good for the Bulldogs coming off a loss. I got that as 1-8 and eight ATS. Wow. You may want to take a look at fading some of those Bulldogs who come in off a loss in their last regular season game. And, again, for me, Mark, it's all about the uh, over-unders. Uh, on last week's podcast, we talked about the first 11 bowl games and how the unders kind of ruled three overs, eight unders in the first 11 bowl games. Since then, since our lad podcast, we've had 10 more additional bowl games played over the last seven days. And again, we are looking under those last 10 bowl games have gone four overs, six unders. So year to date now. We are in 21 bowl games completed, seven overs, 14 of them have gone under. That's 67% under the total. Uh, again, we've been fortunate in that our overs have been those rare ones that have, that have indeed covered or cashed. But again, we're at 67% now under the total in the bowls. As again, as we head into this big time, oh, five day bowl period over the next, uh, oh, Thursday through Monday. A little underscoring going on in the college bowl games, much like the NFL football season this year, sort of mirroring that, I guess, if you would, in that particular sense. Uh, also, Victor, let's take a look now on the NFL side of things and what we noticed on the NFL football card last week. And I got to say this. Last week, Saturday, when the NFL played the bulk of their games on Saturday, was the first time I got to enjoy a Chick-fil-A sandwich while watching the Red Zone. <laughs> I can't get one on Sundays. Right, they're close. Yeah, right. exactly. So it was it was a double treat for me, Chick-fil-A sandwich and watching the Red Zone on Saturday in the National Football League, a pretty nice treat, if you will. Uh, what I kind of observed was, and I put this in the newsletter this week, is the fact that uh, here we are this deep into the National Football League season, and of the 32 teams in the National Football League, only 11 of them own a winning record. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's parity or if it's just uh, – Maybe the opposite end where uh, the better teams are pulling away, the other teams are mediocre or average. But, but what I would surmise out of that is this. You can mark down the names of those 11 teams with winning records, and you can rest assured that when the college or make that the NFL playoffs get here, those are the teams that are going to be winning and advancing and moving forward. The group of teams that are not on that list that are going to somehow manage to carve out a playoff berth, either as a six or seven seed, you can wave goodbye to them on opening week in the National Football League playoffs. They just simply aren't the caliber of these teams we're talking about. 11 winning teams going.
going into this weekend. And by the way, only three teams are currently on a four-game win streak in the National Football League. That's sort of rare, too, at this stage of the football season. That's kind of what I observed a little bit of, Victor. How about you? What did you see in the NFL last week? Uh, the dogs uh, and favorites were pretty much split right down the middle last week, eight and eight overall. Still a very good season for underdogs on the blind, 126, 105, and 8 ATS. That is 54%. Our best database situation for home underdogs. I've got a 14 and 5 ATS this year for all home dogs playing off a loss versus any opponent also off a loss. And that 14 and 5 applies to one team this week, Seattle, who's a home dog against the New York Jets. We may want to take a look at Seattle as a home dog in that particular game. And uh, best situation for road underdogs since week five, road dogs, division road dogs playing with revenge have gone 14 and 2 ATS. That's since week five of this season. Uh, very, very sharp numbers there. And in fact, there are three of those. Division dogs going this week in that 14-2 and two ATS situation. That would be Chicago on the road against Detroit, Denver on the road against Kansas City, and, of course, uh, the third one would be Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. In terms of totals, heck, we talked about it last week, Mark. Mother Nature was very much in the mix last week. We returned to yet another very low-scoring week over the Christmas holiday. In fact, the only three outdoor games that went over the total last week was Commanders at 49ers, Lions against the Panthers, and the Bills against the Bears. In the other nine outdoor games, the results were actually a perfect 0 and 9 over under. Uh, for the week, there were six overs, 10 unders. The average over-under line last week, only 40.9, easily the lowest of the season and justifiable given the impact that Mother Nature indeed had. The average combined points was only 41.5, the second lowest week of the season. And we had our share of shootouts. There were four games that got to 57 or more points. But even with those gaudy numbers, the other 12 games in the NFL only averaged 34.0 combined points per game. So our uh, over-under tally thus far for the year, 106 overs, 133 unders, one tie, 56% under the total. And, of course, average points per game, we are now down to only 44.0 on the season. But again, Mark, thanks to Mother Nature, there was a lot of games that stayed under last week. That was the case for sure, Victor. Uh, it looked to be that way, Those the, the wintry, uh, frigid weather that we watched and played. And I got cold just watching the games, and I was sitting indoors. I can imagine what it was like for the players on the sidelines or the few fans that were in the stands. I give them kudos, too, for dressing up and uh, weathering the storm and the weather in that football game. Back home in Cleveland, as you know, that game started at 6 degrees, the temperature at game time, minus 14 wind chill. My goodness, so, <laughs> sort of glad we're down there in South Florida, Victor, if you know what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> uh, taking a look here now, Victor, let's look at what our good friend Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado. This is this is an excellent point. I keep bringing this up every week because it's, it, it's got a lot of merit. It's very, very well worth considering. The most embarrassed team in the National Football League last week. Uh, I've got two teams that I'm going to nominate here. I don't know where you're going to go with this, Victor. We didn't talk about this before the show. 
but uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything that was really kind of like clear cut. But I might nominate the Tennessee Titans at losing at home to the Houston Texans. My goodness. Uh, obviously a problem going on there at Tennessee. They have to rely now on Malik Willis as a quarterback. It's one of those football teams that I mentioned that makes the playoffs that you can wave goodbye to in the first round. That will happen to Tennessee if they some way, somehow hang on. But right now they don't even qualify. I'll go over that in just a little bit here. The other guy I might nominate might be the guy who you just gave the nose job to the Denver Broncos. My <laughs> goodness. I mean, 51 to 14 to the LA Rams. Are you kidding me? Probably they might be the more embarrassed of the two teams. I don't know. That's up for argument. What's your take on that, Victor? Well, the Titans are, are a one dimensional team now. And of course it would not shock us if they lost that season finale against Jacksonville to be eliminated from the playoffs and lose the AFC South division Still got that great running team, but uh, this Malik Willis, at quarterback, obviously is not the answer. What do you have, 88 passing yards last week? That That's not going to cut it for a playoff team. I would agree with Steve this week, though, that uh, the Denver Broncos, easily the most embarrassed team in the league. What was the final score of that game against the Rams? 51-14. 51 to – oh, are you kidding me? They allowed the Rams, what, 390 total yards on offense – given their difficulties all season long. Hey, we we know that Denver is always going to have a very, very good defense. But it's on offense where they have really stunk up the joint this year. Only 15.5 points per game on offense. It's easily number 32. That's dead last in the NFL. Only 316 offensive yards per game. And this was the year that things were supposed to improve. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens in the offseason, and we'll see if Russell Wilson is uh, fixable, right? Well, that's a good good word to use, fixable, because I don't believe he is. I think he's a, obviously a cancer in that locker room. And, you know, they had to use uh, Nathaniel Hackett as the scapegoat. Had to fire somebody because it's basically all in the, on the lap of Russell Wilson, what's going on in the, with the Denver Broncos here. Now, Hackett may have been well over his head. He could have been a Peter Principal-type hire, for that football program, but to fire him in the first year uh, as a rookie coach, he's only the second rookie coach, first time ever NFL head coach that was fired before the season ended and and never been a head coach ever before. The only other time it happened was San Francisco, a guy named Pete McCulley back in 1971. And do you know who the coach that took over for Pete McCulley the next year happened to be, Victor, for San Francisco? Was it maybe Bill Walsh? Bill Walsh, exactly right. <laughs> there you go. Kudos. Nice. Yeah, what a stellar career he had. So yeah. I don't think there's a Bill Walsh for Denver to find out there. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen. Even if they even if they're able to lure somehow Sean Payton into that ugly mess, I think he said already he doesn't want it. I don't blame him. But I don't think there's a coach to be found that's going to be able to fix that situation because it's really almost next to intolerable. Talking about the playoff picture here, as we always do, let's re, uh, let, let's recap the teams where they currently stand in the playoff run. We've only got two more weekends to go, and it's getting very, very tight, obviously. Number one seeds as they were last week, the same two teams, Buffalo and Philadelphia. Number two, the same two teams, Kansas City and Minnesota. All four teams obviously have clinched a playoff berth. Number three seed, Cincinnati moves up to the number three spot right now. They're really a team on a roll right now, obviously. 
what a Monday night football game that promises to be between them and Buffalo. And number three on the other side, the NFC is San Francisco, who's also clinched a playoff berth. Moving into the number four slot is the Jacksonville Jaguars, wow. who've taken over the command, not command, but at least they have the tiebreaker, the lead in the NFC South. Uh, kudos to them on a great uh, effort they've put forth here. Uh, they're playing as, about as good as anybody right now in the National Football League. Number four on the other side, Tampa Bay, just holding serve, if you will. I don't know how they're getting it done, but they're holding serve. Number five seeds, Baltimore and Dallas, both in the playoffs. Number six seeds, the L.A. Chargers, who qualified for the playoffs with their win over the Colts Monday night. And the New York Giants held serve at number six in the NFC. Number seven seeds, the Miami Dolphins and the Washington uh, Commanders, barely holding on right now because they're going backwards faster than anybody else in the league. And right on their heels, number eight seeds, New England and Seattle. Number nine seeds, the Jets, Detroit. Number 10, Tennessee, Green Bay. 11, Pittsburgh, Carolina. And number 12, Vegas and New Orleans. And speaking about Vegas, Victor, as we did the podcast today, we heard an announcement that Derek Carr is being relieved of his duties with the Raiders. Uh, A little bit surprising to me. I mean, uh, first of all, they're still mathematically alive for a playoff spot. I mean, I know a lot would have to happen, but they could win two football games and who knows what could happen where they could maybe slide in and steal a spot. But obviously they've thrown the towel there and they're going to go a different direction. So I'm a little bit surprised at that because Derek Carr is not that bad of a quarterback. I would agree. He's not that bad. Now he does lead the NFL interceptions this year with only 14 still surprising given the fact that his main man, his best friend on the team is Devontae Adams. Yep. Derek Carr was the reason that Adams was okay going from Green Bay to uh, another team in the offseason. So that that is quite surprising uh, that Jared Stidham gets to start in that game. Obviously, the line has moved significantly, and San Francisco's on the verge of uh, laying double digits. I think the last time I looked, they're already up to nine-point road favorites in that particular game. Uh, one more team I want to mention, Mark, that you talked about in the playoff race now, it's not just because I picked him to go to the Super Bowl in the offseason. But you know who's played really, really good lately and is a team to look out for in the playoffs is the L.A. Chargers. Yes, they are. I, I, I say that because they have still yet to peak on offense this year. This current winning streak that they're on is all because of their defense. The defense is getting healthier. It looks like uh, Bosa might even be coming back sooner rather than later the fact that they've allowed what only 11.3 points per game in their current three game winning streak they held indianapolis only three points it's the charger defense that is going to take them into the playoffs once they get there uh who knows how far they can go if their offense clicks that's a great point uh as far as the chargers are concerned a football team that's sort of uh, hasn't really surged, like you say, yet thus far this football season. A lot of talent on the team, and we all know that, Victor, when it comes to the playoffs, it's defense that keeps teams advancing. And if right. they could keep that defense where it's at right now and let this offense come alive, they could indeed be the type of team that no one in the AFC will want to face come playoff time. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports as we go against the spread on this week's college and NFL cards. And, Victor, let's move it over to the college bowl scene, if we will. And our featured college bowl game this week is a beauty. We're going to hop out to the Sugar Bowl, where Kansas State's going to take on Alabama in a big, big showdown game in New Orleans. 
Victor, how do you see the Sugar Bowl shaking out between the Wildcats and the Crimson Tide? Well, again, this next four or five day period, Mark, this is the period where we got some really outstanding bowl matchups. Heck, there was a handful of games we could have chosen. We can't yeah. go. We can't go wrong with uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. That is for sure. So, we're talking about a Saturday, twelve noon Eastern kickoff, Caesars Superdome, in the Big Easy, Louisiana. Uh, Alabama, it looks like they opened about a five and a half, and they're up to about a six and a half point favorite in the game. The over-under line opened 55 and a half for the Sugar Bowl. There's been some over money coming in. We're up to 56 and a half to 57 as we record the podcast. Let's take a look at both teams on the season. Slightly better under than over teams. For both squads, Alabama went five and seven over under on the year, a 40.8 points per game offense and 18.0 point per game defense. Alabama games 58.8 on the season. Kansas State six and seven over under on the year. Uh, like their counterparts, a pretty good offense at 33.2 points per game. And also like their counterparts, a very good defense for the Wildcats, only 20.1 points per game. So average points in K-State games this season, 53.3. Now, what kind of interests me is how did these teams do from an over-under perspective in their non-conference games? Well, Alabama 1-3 over-under in their four non-conference games. Average over-under margin, minus 12.0 points per game. Even better, Kansas State went 0-3 over-under in their non-conference games this season. Average margin, uh, minus 14.0 points per game. In terms of recent bowl history between these two bowl teams, uh, Alabama has gone uh, 0-4-1 over-under in their last five bowl games, covering a three-year period that includes... uh, of course, any sort of uh, national championship playoff games they might have been. But 0-4-1 over under for Alabama, only 51.2 points per game. Uh, Kansas State, 56.5 combined points per game in all of their bowls in the last 10 years. They've gone 2-7 over under their last nine games in the month of December. They've gone 1-4 over under last five neutral site games. Now, uh, by any normal standards, it's been a wonderful football season for Alabama, but they're not in the playoff. And, of course, that's the high standard that they set for themselves every year. That's because of not one, but actually two losses that both occurred on the last play of the game against Tennessee and against LSU. They're not quite uh, what we would call 100% operational There are a slew of parts that are in the transfer portal for Alabama. However, the starting 22 players will all be fine. And the same goes for Kansas State. Uh, Big Ten champion, won 10 games this year. They held on to take take down TCU in their conference championship title game. They beat their rival Kansas this year. And now they get a shot to do something, you know, important with a Sugar Bowl win over Alabama. Uh, It's a rock-solid team that they don't beat themselves. They play what they call uh, in a, what is usually a high-scoring conference. 
They play a hard-nosed brand of defense. Their defense actually was number one in the Big 12 Conference this season. Uh, it's a it's a program that's hardly going to freak out because it's playing Alabama in a ball game. Uh, for the Crimson Tide, if everything goes according to plan, let's not forget that they allowed only 18 points per game on the season. It was their lowest defensive total in the last four years. I know Kansas State can throw just fine with Will Howard at the quarterback position. But the Wildcats' best games this season have been when they rushed for 199 or more yards. They went a perfect 7-0 this season. So they really get rolling when they control the games with their outstanding rushing attack. There's no reason for them to get in any sort of a shootout. That's the Wildcats we're talking about here. They can't win the ball game in this fashion. If they can control the clock on offense – by generating those long drives with their rushing game, then we see this game going under the total. And in fact, the last six Sugar Bowls have averaged only 46.3 combined points per game. So uh, based on the spread and the over-under line, the implied score is Alabama 31.5, Kansas State 25. Our, uh, our database models, they point to a score a little bit on the lower side, more like a 28 to 24 final score. Uh, with that said, we'll call it a, a two-star opinion on the Sugar Bowl under the total. Let's wait until the line move reaches its top, 57, maybe 57 and a half, maybe 58, before we make a small play on the under. Victor looks to the under in the Sugar Bowl for his side in that football game. Look for the Kansas State rushing offense to dictate the pace, keep the game under the total for his side in that contest. Kansas State comes into this game, as Victor mentioned here, the Big Ten champions. Absolutely ecstatic to be here. There's no question about that. And quite a year it was for the Wildcats, Chris Kleiman. If it wasn't for Sonny Dykes and what the job that he did at TCU, winning National Coach of the Year honors, Chris Kleiman would be right in the talk for Kansas State on the job that he's done with the Wildcats. They ended the season 4-0 straight up and against the spread. Their final four football games are on a major winning run. The last four times Kansas State has gone into a bowl game, they've won and covered three of those four games. And they don't beat themselves, this football team. That's what you like about teams that you want to back in college bowl games. They're number four in the country in turnover margin, net turnover margin, number four, Kansas State. Alabama, on the flip side, comes in here. They ranked number 127 in the country in penalties per game. That's a staggering stat to me. I mean, you wouldn't find a Nick Saban football team that bad, that porous, almost that poorly coached to be ranked 127th in the country in net penalties per game. My goodness. Uh, you've also got them. They closed out the season raggedly, 1-5 and five to the spread their last six football games. And Victor mentions here, uh, they're more accustomed to being in a college football playoff game than they are a regular bowl game. Well, the last three times just that has happened when they've been in regular bowl games and not the playoffs, they've lost all three of those non-playoff bowl games straight up on the scoreboard. I'm going to obviously lean to uh, Kansas State in this football game from my side in the contest here. Uh, between the fact that, one, they're ecstatic, two, Alabama has got to be bummed out not to be, just to be here. And Chris Kleiman, again, that Chris Kleiman factor the tougher the opposition, the tougher his teams are. 11-6 and six to the spread against 800 or better teams. Give me the Wildcats plus the points for my side in the Sugar Bowl matchup. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And Victor, what do you say? Let's hop over to the National Football League side of things. We've got a pretty good game inside the AFC North Division, a battle between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers with a lot on the line for one team and the other team having just clinched a playoff spot and looking to get improving in that spot. How do you see the Ravens and the Steelers shaking out on Sunday, Victor? Well, Mark, obviously this is a big game because about 10 days ago, NBC TV ended up flexing this game to the Sunday night TV spot. The originally scheduled game for Sunday night was going to be the Rams and the Chargers. And again, uh, they decided to switch on that one and bring in one of these great AFC North division matchups like we're getting here with the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the 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 look-ahead line had Pittsburgh anywhere from a six to six-and-a-half-point favorite. The line right now is only Pittsburgh um, – I'm sorry, Baltimore, six-and-a-half-point favorite. The line now only two-and-a-half points. So you could have got Pittsburgh plus a ton of points a little bit earlier. We'll see if uh, maybe uh, Andy has a little more insight in that particular look-ahead line. Also, the look-ahead line was 42.0 as far as the total goes. And then it went down to about 38. Then it went down to about 36.5. And as we speak, as we do the podcast here on Wednesday afternoon, it is at its lowest point thus far. Only 35.0 is the over-under line for this Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. Not surprising, giving their statistics as of late on the season, Pittsburgh six and nine over under, average of thirty nine point zero combined points per game. Baltimore four and eleven over under on the season. They are tied with the Denver Broncos and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the best under team in the NFL this year. Baltimore games have averaged thirty nine point five combined points per game. Uh, in terms of our home and road splits, uh, Pittsburgh two and five over under home, but four and four over under away on the season. Baltimore a little bit better, three and five over under away, but one and six over under in their seven home games this season. That is tied with both Miami and the surprising Kansas City Chiefs for best home under team in the NFL this season. That would be Baltimore, Miami and Kansas City, all tied with a one and six over under record. Check out the last four games for each team. Pittsburgh's last four games, only a combined 32.0 points per game. Baltimore, even more dramatically low scoring. Their last four games have totaled only 22.8 combined points per game. You know, Mark, with, with extremely low results like that in the last month of play, it's not surprising how low the OU line has moved. It is now the lowest OU line of the week in the NFL. The question that we got to ask ourselves is, has the undervalue now been completely sucked out of this game? To answer that question, I would normally turn to our database. First off, we'll note that this particular series, Steelers-Ravens, the last four games have indeed gone a perfect 0-4 to the under in the last four meetings. Average of only 32.7 combined points per game. Average margin, minus 8.0 points per game. And that includes this season's earlier meeting in Pittsburgh 
in which the over-under line was 36 and a half, and Baltimore won the game 16 to 14. Now, when I head to the database and I query over-under results in this particular division, that's where the head-scratching starts for me. The fact that AFC North games in which the over-under line is less than 38 points have actually gone 39 and 17 to the over. That's 39 overs, 17 unders. That's about 68% over the total. And in the last 15 years, these games have actually gone 29 and 11 over under. That is 73% over the total. So that's kind of telling us to perhaps look for some value on the over. I don't know about that. Uh, Baltimore has one of the best rushing offenses in the league this year. They're averaging, what, 166 rushing yards per game and 5.3 yards per carry. When I get into the rushing portion of our playbook NFL database, uh, in the last five years, in the second half of the season, game nine or greater, home favorites of 12 or less points who averaged 5.2 or more yards per rush. That's the Baltimore Ravens. They've actually gone 1-11 and 11 over under. Uh, we got two great defenses. In fact, neither of these great defenses has allowed 17 or more points in each of their last four games, which would normally, again, be another good sign for a low-scoring outcome. Mark, with that said, I've got conflicting over numbers out of our database I believe undervalue has been taken away by the odds makers. For that reason, I'm going to pass as far as giving this play any sort of actual rating and just a very, very slight lean toward the under. Besides, I mean, man, there's easily another three to four games this week that I'm really excited about in terms of totals. So we'll just call it a very, very slight lean on the under. But again, there's no value whatsoever at that current line of 35.0. Victor doesn't like the line in this football game. No value. If he has to play it, put a gun to his head, he'd lean to the under in the football game. <laughs> no guns. <laughs> no guns. Uh, for his side in this football contest. Let's take a look at these two football teams. A big battle, as Victor mentions, in the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens clinched their playoff spot last week. They're in regardless of what happens moving forward here. And they've had their problems at home thus far this football season here. Just one and five to the spread in all six of their home games this season. What concerns me about this football team is whether we may or may not see Lamar Jackson here. I'm going to say we're probably not. I think he's just about done for the season personally. Maybe he's coming going to be back for the playoffs, but I don't expect to see him here. The truth of the matter is this football program They've got problems here. They were outstatted or outgained by the Atlanta Falcons last week, guys. The Atlanta Falcons, who were on the very bottom, a dreg in the ITS, in the stats records thus far this season. Atlanta has only won the game three of their 15 games thus far in the stats. One of them was Baltimore last week. I can't lay points with a football team like this in such disarray who has problems putting points on the scoreboard and finding the end zone. Pittsburgh Steelers come into the contest here. What's interesting is after their bye week, this team was two and six. On Thanksgiving Day, they were three and seven. They're now seven and nine coming into this football game here. That's quite a vast improvement. They've won four of their six football games since Thanksgiving, 
And it's all because T.J. Watt is back in the lineup. Not all because, but a large factor of that is T.J. Watt being in the lineup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. When he's been there this year, they're five and two straight up and against the spread. A huge game for Pittsburgh here. I don't see the momentum stopping for this football program here, especially against what I feel is an overrated Baltimore Raven football team right now. They're playing balls to the wall to keep Mike Tomlin's never having had a losing season record intact. They're on pace to do just that. I think they win this football game, which means I have to take the points with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show as we hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, happy new year to you and yours. I hope your holidays have been going very well for you and the football as well, just the same. Well, thanks, Mark. Uh, yes, it is, of course. Uh, happy uh, holidays, merry belated uh, uh, religious holidays, and early Happy New Year's greetings to uh, you, Victor, uh, the staff, and, of course, all of our viewers and uh, listeners. Uh, it's been a fun bowl season so far. The appetizing bowls are almost over, and then the big guys get underway later this week. Looking forward to some really great action, including that TCU-Michigan Ohio State, Georgia, those two matchups, uh, uh, which uh, pretend to be uh, very entertaining. And we'll see if we'll have an undefeated matchup of undefeated between Georgia and Michigan. We might even get a Big Ten rematch between Michigan and Ohio State, or possibly TCU will spoil the party and they will face the winner of Georgia versus Ohio State, which would be interesting. So looking forward to that. And of course, all the action in week 17 of the NFL as we get closer to the finish line of the regular season. Yeah, a lot of storylines abounding in uh, the college football bowl games, especially, Andy, as you said, getting into the meat and potatoes portion of it beginning this weekend with the two college football championship games taking place this weekend. I know, Andy, we always talk about the contests and what's going on in Vegas here. And uh, as you do customarily for us, and we greatly appreciate your rundown and bringing us up to speed on what's happening because we are right uh, right close to the finish line with all these major contests in Las Vegas. And I know, and you'll get to it, there were some major developments that happened, especially in the circuit contest, one of those big circuit contests. Bring our listeners up to speed, if you will, Andy. Yeah, I'll, I'll start by talking about uh, the Westgate contest and then the Golden Nugget. And then actually the Circa Millions as well, which all serve as an appetizer for the recap of what happened in Circa Survivor this uh, uh, past week. And we can call it, uh, I think there's already been a film made agony and ecstasy, but I'll explain that when we get to it. <laughs> Looking at the uh, Super Contest Classic, the regular Super Contest Classic through uh, the first 15 weeks of the contest. That's the first 75 selections, the consensus of the top five selections. 41, 33, and 1, that's 55.3%, barely profitable, uh, but that barely profitable amount went down a little bit this past weekend as the consensus of the top five selections, two and three. The two winners were the uh, Bengals over the Patriots and the Packers plus the points against Miami. The three losers, the most uh, popular game of the week, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. The contest line at the Westgate, plus five and a half. And, of course, they uh, lost by six in a wildly entertaining game. Uh, the uh, Detroit Lions favored on the road at Carolina. They lost outright, as did uh, Tennessee lose outright as a three-point home favorite uh, in their contest this past week uh, as well. So the two and three brings the consensus 43, 36, and one. That's 54 
uh, 0.4%, a little bit over three units of profit if you had played the same amount each week on the top five selections. Uh, the current standings show one contestant uh, hitting at 69.4%, so we're below that uh, uh, rarely attained but occasionally attained 70% mark with um, uh, with uh, 10 selections, two weeks remaining, 55 and a half out of a possible 80 points. Good enough for a one-point lead over one contestant in second, one contestant another point back in third, and another contestant uh, at uh, 53 points, half points behind uh, the third-place contestant. Uh, overall, in order to be cashing uh, amongst the top 30, you need to be hitting just under 62%. 61.9% uh, will get you in the money as of right now with two weeks remaining. I remember the good old days where if you hit 60%, you were going to cash. And that actually was back in a time when they had under 500 entries for the most part, you know, usually between about 350 and 500. And they only paid 20 places, however. So 60% back then was pretty good. But as the field has expanded to uh, uh, nearly uh, uh, 1,700 this year, nearly 1,600 this year, it's become difficult. And yet uh, we still have people barely above 60% uh, in a, with a chance to cash. The Super Contest Gold winner take all. Uh, there is a leader, two contestants tied for the lead at uh, 65.6. 6%. That's 52.5 out of a possible 80 points. And uh, there are a total of nine contestants within five points of the lead, meaning 47.5 and 52.5. That's going to come down to the final uh, 10 picks as well. So a lot to be done in the final couple of weeks. The guy who is in first with that two-point lead with 10 picks to go is looking good. But, of course, week 17 and week 18 used to be week 16 and 17, but now with the expanded schedule, final two weeks of the season awful have a also always have a lot of surprises uh, with teams jockeying for seeding, trying to make the playoffs, playing out the string, looking towards next year, etc. Looking at the uh, Golden Nugget, that's the college and NFL combined, and of course, uh, we now have uh, most of the college bowls being played, so those who uh, concentrate on colleges have had their opportunity uh, after a couple of weeks where we had uh, uh, very few, if, if, if any, college bowls, and of course, just the week we had the uh, Army-Navy game, and you had to pick from uh, the other NFL games. Uh, two contestants are tied for the lead with 69 of a possible 112 points because you do pick seven games a week. can be college and pro sides only. That's good for 61.6%, so a shade under 60%. Now, keep in mind that usually this contest winner has someone in the high 60s, but keep in mind as well, only 128 entries this year down from uh, the last uh, few years uh, when it was between two and 300 a number of times. So uh, that uh, one contestant, however, or the two contestants who have that 61.6% uh, uh, winning percentage, that's good right now for a two-and-a-half game lead over two contestants tied uh, for a third place at 59.4%. And actually, they pay the top 20 in ties. And right now, it takes 56.3% to be in that group, of the final group that will cash uh, this season, depending upon what happens over the final 14 picks over the uh, next two weeks. Looking now at the two Circa contests, uh, the first, the Circa Millions, pretty much along the same lines as uh, the Westgate static lines, although there are some variations between the uh, contest lines at the Westgate and the contest lines at Circa. Uh, just for information, uh, informational purposes, the Westgate puts their contest lines out generally about 5 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday afternoons. The Circa comes out about uh, uh, 15 hours later 
uh, well, let me do my math a little bit. 17 hours later at about 10 a.m. Pacific time on Thursday. And there are developments that do affect it, uh, anticipated line moves. And in fact, it didn't have an impact this week, but it easily could have. I mentioned that Philadelphia was a uh, five and a half point uh, favorite uh, in uh uh, in, the, in the Westgate. That went for a while. They thought it was going to be a four and a half. That ended up coming out to be a uh, uh, a, a five-point favorite as well. Excuse me, five and a half, but there was some talk that that one might have been four and a half. But in any event, the consensus going into last week in the millions of the top five selections, 38, 33, and four, barely profitable at 53.3%. And uh, it's uh, the slimmest of profits available right now as the consensus went two and three. Uh, currently standing at 40, 36, and 4. That's 52.5% or 0.4 unit of profit over the first 80 selections if you played the same amount on the uh, uh, on the uh, consensus plays each week uh, uh, this season. Uh, the two winners this past week were the uh, Bengals minus 3 uh, at the uh, Patriots, one held on to win by 4, and the Steelers, uh, fortunate, uh, we'll have more about the Steelers game a little bit uh, in a little bit, minus 2.5 at home against the Las Vegas Raiders on Christmas Eve night. Those were the two winners. The three that lost were the Eagles, plus the 5.5 at Dallas, losing by 6. The Lions losing outright at Carolina as a 2.5-point favorite, and the Browns losing at home as 2.5-point favorites to the uh, New Orleans Saints. So 40, 36, and 4 for the consensus. There is one contestant hitting at exactly 70.0%. That's 56 out of the uh, 80 selections. Good enough for a half-point lead over one contestant in second, another contestant a half-point further back, and one more contestant a half-point behind that. So a very close race, only two points separating, or only uh, two yeah, two points, uh, one and a half points separating. Uh, actually, I'll go back a little. Two points separating the top five places, and there's one individual in each of those top five places, so uh, figures to be a nice frantic rush to the finish. Uh, they pay the top 100 plus ties. Currently, 117 entries are in position to cash at least something in the contest, and that uh, minimum percentage to cash, 61.3% out of nearly 4,700 entries. Okay, appetizer's over, and we'll go to the main course, which is the Circus Survivor. Uh, as we did, or as the contest had for Thanksgiving, the contest week of week 16 for Christmas was broken into two parts. The 12 games that were played on Thursday and Saturday, and then the four games that were played Christmas Day, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, if you survived the Thursday-Saturday selection, you advanced to uh, the uh, uh, the four selection, four games to choose from. For Sunday, Monday, uh, going in, there were 14 contestants alive going into the Friday, uh, the uh, me, Thursday, Saturday portion. Uh, the top selection uh, for the uh, Thursday, Saturday games, uh, the Detroit Lions, and uh, they uh, ended up losing their game. Uh, so did the uh, uh, tied for second, the uh, Tennessee uh, Titans. Uh, their loss on Saturday uh, eliminated three more people. The Jets on Thursday night. And the Browns on Saturday each had uh, one uh, entrant uh, eliminated. So that accounted for a total of 10 of the 14. Now, one contestant had the Vikings earlier on Saturday, fortunate to escape as the Vikings won on a 61-yard field goal against the Giants to break a tie in a game that had a real good chance of going into uh, overtime. So that contestant uh, ended up being alive, knew that he was going to be alive for uh, the Sunday-Monday games, 
Uh, there were three contestants who had the Pittsburgh Steelers on Saturday night. <laughs> and had they lost, that one contestant who had won with the Vikings earlier on Saturday would have uh, been uh, enriched by $6.1 million as the winner-take-all survivor in uh, Week 16. And, uh, uh, of course, if you saw that game, the game dedicated to Franco Harris, a lot of emotion there. And the uh, Steelers hung tough. Uh, but uh, with 46 seconds remaining in the game, uh, it looked as though uh, that uh, uh, we were going to have a, a $6 million man uh, with the uh, who had won with the Vikings earlier today. And, of course, we know what happened. Uh, the uh, Steelers scored late to uh, uh, pull ahead uh, uh, 13-10. And, uh, and the ensuing possession, uh, Derek Carr, the uh, Raiders, threw an interception to seal the victory for uh, the uh, uh, contestant who had uh, the three contestants who had the Steelers. And so all four advanced to Sunday. I had earlier thought and read somewhere, it turned out to be slightly incorrect, that uh, Franco, inter- Franco Harris intervened with the uh, winning play, at the, uh, with the uh, winning interception, and with 32 seconds remaining, his uniform number was actually showing in the play-by-play at 36 seconds. And uh, it was also thought that uh, uh, the play ended, uh, the interception on the 32-yard line of the uh, Steelers, it actually ended on the 34-yard line. But close enough, Franco presence was clearly felt throughout the evening and I don't know if uh, whether you believe or don't believe but certainly uh, there are some out there who can draw that connection so in any event uh, the guy who was very close to the agony of, of the 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 uh, uh, the ecstasy of winning uh, 6.1 million was alive with three others going into uh, Sunday now of course as you may recall once you pick a team, you are eliminated. You're, you're prohibited from picking that team again. And here we are now. This is actually con- this is actually going into contest week 18 because we had the two weeks on Christmas and the two weeks on Thanksgiving. So each contestant had already used 17 of the 32 teams. The contestant who thought he was going to win it all on Saturday night had two choices available to him of the eight teams that played uh, Sunday after Sunday and Monday night. He had to choose between the Dolphins and the Chargers. Well, unfortunately, he chose the Dolphins, oh boy. who oh were boy. leading most of the way in their game against Green Bay. In fact, they had a 10-point lead uh, just before the half, and then uh, uh, they uh, uh, did not score again as Green Bay put uh, 13 points on the board to win 26-20, eliminating him, but not totally, because if the other three contestants also lost, it would have been a four-way tie, and each contestant would have won between one po- between um, and $1.6 million. Well, the other two of the other contestants played uh, one of the later games on Sunday. And uh, it looked as though they were both going to eliminate it as they both had Tampa Bay in their game against uh, Arizona. (laughs) Remember, you only had to win straight up, not against the spread. Well, if you uh, stayed up to watch that game, you know what happened as Tom Brady uh, and the Bucs ended up winning the game. First of all, forcing the tie after trailing by 10 in the fourth quarter and then getting the game-winning field goal to eliminate the potential $6 million Saturday man and advance themselves, depending upon what happened Monday night. The fourth contestant who survived into the second part of the Christmas week had the Chargers. They won rather easily against Indianapolis, although it wasn't the most exciting of games. It was enough to get the Chargers uh, the win and the point spread cover for those who uh, backed them as well. Uh, So three contestants remain alive heading into the final two weeks of the contest. Uh, The first three years of the contest, and part of it had to do with why the uh, Circa added these twists of the two Thanksgiving selections and the two Christmas week selections, is that we've had multiple 
multiple winners in each of the first three seasons. And they wanted to try and see, well, maybe we can eliminate the field so we'll have a chance for just one winner this year. Well, they've had pretty good success as 99.95% of the field, uh, 6,130 of the 6133 entrants have been eliminated. So with two weeks to go, you've got three contestants battling it out for the winner take all by the uh, the 6.1 million dollars so if they end up all going undefeated or all getting eliminated in either week 17 or 18 uh, they would get about 2.1 million dollars a piece at the same time uh, should one of the one or more of the contestants go the season perfect win their last two selections and have avoided using either the rams or Bengals, the two super bowl winners from last year a million dollar bonus would go to anyone who wins the contest 20 and 0 so it could be as many as three people splitting that extra million provided they had not used the rams or the Bengals. and of course over the last few weeks you wouldn't have considered using the rams however this past weekend the rams were the easiest winner on the card yeah go figure andy my goodness what a story there that's a novel all unto itself i got that's called think- that's called the baddest beat of bad beats i think in betting history I got to think that the $6 million man probably was undergoing a $6 million heart transplant after all that last week. My goodness. <laughs> to come Imagine so going from $6 million, being up $6 million to down 1000 Wow. That, that's that's what you call a, a major swing, Andy. That's a major now, swing. in about, tw- I don't know how old the uh, entrant is. I don't know if it's male or female. In about, tw- if, if he's young enough, in about 20 years, it'll make for an interesting story. Won't take any of the sting out of it, but at least it'll uh, be a little anecdote that hopefully he can uh, uh, relate in the future. And who knows, maybe next year will be his year or mm-hmm. her year. Well, you, as you and I know, Andy, you only get the, these chances maybe like once in a lifetime. <laughs> so, you know, if it's next year for him, you know, it was all in the cards, to say the least. Either so, that or root for reincarnation. If one it, or the if other. <laughs> one or the other. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. We just got the update on all the major contests, including the Survivor happening, which happened last week as well. Andy, if you would, let's take a look at the look-ahead lines. And let me ask you this before we go into the look-ahead lines, if I may. I noticed this week, and maybe it's because I was paying a little bit deeper attention than usual, but uh, I'm seeing where a lot of what are being called the opening lines for this week's games were actually the lines that were last week's opening lines. And, uh, you know, a lot has happened to those, as you discuss each week, you know, how they get bet into, bet down, move movements and so forth and whatnot. But I'm seeing uh, a lot of sites where they have the opening lines for this week's NFL games mirroring the lines that were opened up last week. And yep. they don't change that opening line. Is, is it just me, or is it, has it been going on most of I the think, I, just- I think there are some games, but not very many, maybe no more than maybe four or five. And you're talking about the advanced uh, 10-day line. So, for example, uh, for this week's game, in week 17, the advanced lines, which I start off by talking when we talk about the line moves, are lines that came out Tuesday, December 20th. In other words, the night after the week 15 Monday night game, uh, and, uh, you know, three to uh, six days, seven days ahead of the week 16 games being played. So, for example... Um, I'll use the Thursday night game this uh, past week uh, or this this coming week. Dallas at Tennessee. When the advance line came out um, two weeks ago on December Tuesday, December 20th, 
Dallas was a three-point road favorite at Tennessee. Now, they normally take this game off on uh, the, day be, the day of the game itself being played, week right. 16 games. Uh, and in the case of Dallas and Tennessee, because there were concerns that Tannehill might have been lost for the season before the Tennessee game was played over the weekend uh, on Saturday, the line actually was bid up from three to six. Well, when we found out that Tenny Hill was lost for the season and was not going to uh, uh, and did not play on Sunday, after that game uh, came out, that six-point line that existed was no more. And Dallas actually opened up a nine-and-a-half-point road favorite on Sunday uh, afternoon uh, and uh, has since been bid up to uh, minus 11. But, for example... Uh, I'll go to the Monday night game. This is not one I was going to talk about, but it's to your point. The uh, Buffalo Bills uh, were the um, – well, actually, this is a, the summertime line was two-and-a-half. It opened two-and-a-half, moved down to one-and-a-half before it was taken off the board of last week's games. It opened up at that same one-and-a-half at which it was bet up, not the line that existed before, but the line to which it was bet up before they took it down. Most games don't move uh, very much. Here's, here's an example, perfect example to what you say. Jets at Seahawks. Uh, the advance line from December 20th was a pick 'em. When the game was put back up on the board Sunday afternoon, the game was pick 'em. Okay, that has since moved, uh, or it it then uh, came off the board briefly. Was put back up at Jets favored by two and a half, and then bet down to one and a half. And that may have been due to the fact that after the announcement was made on Sunday when the game opened pick 'em, that uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, would not be quarterbacking, and Mike White would be uh, considered an upgrade for the Jets. That's why that line was reposted at two and a half since bet down towards uh, Seattle. But to your point, there are some games each week. Uh, Colts at Giants is another example. Uh, Giants opened three in the advance line, opened three when the lines were posted again uh, Sunday uh, uh, afternoon. And uh, I think that's the only one that I'm showing. So it depends what the sources that you're looking at as far as whether or not that was an actual opening line that they used or it was just maybe a repeat of the opening line and it was done in error or something along those lines. I don't know what, which site it was or from what sports book it was. But there are many sports books now, especially internationally, that open up their own lines, sometimes maybe even Sunday morning of the games, or maybe they put up the advanced lines as well, and they don't make changes in that other than the betting action that comes in, and maybe they don't take down those games at all. I'm not aware because there are just so many worldwide sports books. Well, the line that I'm looking at uh, in in reference to Andy would be next Sunday's NFL football games are all bettable right now. You'll talk about those, and right now it shows the Rams at Seattle next Sunday as Seattle opening line minus three. So when next week rolls around, that opening line of minus three will stay there as the opening line, and they'd be bandied about because of the results that happened this week. But it will still stay there at minus three. There won't be a new opening line. When I, when I actually track and log in my database, I and this is a, a recent phenomenon um, because it used to just be uh, – we've only had the summertime lines uh, for uh, a few years. Uh, we've had the uh, advanced lines for maybe about six or seven years. I still use – because the, bits, the bets are generally very limited on those advanced lines that come out 10 days in advance. The, the limits go up when they're reposted on Sunday, and then they go up even a little bit more as we get closer to game time. So when I log in, I don't log in, for example, the uh, seven points by which the uh, Lions 
were favored on December 20th against the Bears. I log in the five-and-a-half-point line at which the Lions opened on Sunday afternoon, and they started to take increased action. So That uh, makes sense. It, yeah. it, it, you could argue that the you could argue that some people would use the uh, summertime line, which would be a- inaccurate, I think, for the most part, because things change so much. I still prefer to use the line when uh, when the limits start to get raised uh, on Sunday, when the uh, games for the week directly preceding the game, in other words, week 16, uh, have been uh, played and factored into the. Uh, the, the lines that get posted Sunday afternoon. And in fact, for the teams that play Sunday night and the lines have already been posted and the teams that play Monday night, well, before the Sunday night game, uh, I'm talking now, I use the Westgate. I've always used the Westgate since the Stardust closed uh, now back in 2006 because they were the biggest book and still a, a primary player here in Vegas, the Westgate. Uh, I have uh, used the, uh, well, I was going to say that the Sunday night teams, when they before they kick off, the Westgate takes down that line, reposts a new line on Monday morning, okay. I still use the Sunday, uh, the Sunday line because a lot of stuff has already been factored into the adjustments. From at one of the two teams has generally played earlier in the day on Sunday. Uh, sometimes you will get a ten. I think it happened a few weeks ago, where one of the teams that, uh, where one of the teams that played on Sunday and the other team uh, that they're facing the coming week will play on Monday night. That has happened a, a few times. So yeah, just to illustrate that the important thing, and I think for anyone who's keeping record. Be consistent as much as possible. Don't all of a sudden start in October saying, well, I was using the uh, advanced line as the opening line, and now I'm going to use the um, uh, the Sunday reposted line. Be consistent however you do it, because either way is acceptable. It's just that you want to know and you know convey to those who uh, may follow your database information uh, that you are using this, and there will be variances. And the fact of the matter is if uh, you wanted to bet Seattle minus three at the Westgate, which it is right now, it would be what we would have called a circled game. There's only a limit on what you can bet in the game anyway. So what, whether it's three right now or not, is it really truly the opening line? It's the what you call the advanced line right now. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, you were, yeah the advanced line is the one that came out uh, this past Tuesday, Tuesday the uh, 27th. Yes. Two days after Christmas, and that's of course when you're talking Seattle minus three. That's for Week 18 against the Rams, not Seattle this week against the uh, Jets. Exactly, exactly. So if you would do us the honors, Andy, let's talk about these look-ahead lines and what you've got from what we saw and what we're looking at this week. Okay, I, I mentioned the uh, Dallas-Tennessee game, and that uh, was a steady move, largely due to the double um, acknowledgement of Tannehill being out. First, it was widely expected. And then it was confirmed. So uh, from a line that that initially during the uh, pre-week uh, 16 games went from three to six, went up at nine and a half after Tannehill did not play last Sunday and was ruled out. And yet that wasn't enough an adjustment going up against uh, the slumping, now slumping Tennessee Titans up to 11. Um, not quite sure I agree with that uh, move, even though I did see the replacement quarterback not look uh, too sharp. I just question what Dallas is going to uh, to do. In fact, it's interesting. This is a thing to keep in mind. This is week 17. Dallas may play their players this week, but they may rest them in week 18 yes. because they have to play in the wild card round. Now, the only two teams that might not rest and actually might play would be the number one seeds in each conference. Right now, that's Philadelphia. So we're talking about Jalen Hurts. If I'm Philadelphia, I don't play him this week against New Orleans. I do give him some action in week 18 against um, the Giants because they won't be playing in week 19. And I don't know that Philadelphia wants to go into their 
their uh, divisional round game with Jalen Hurts not having played it in basically an entire month. So that's something to keep in mind. The teams that will probably rest their players with, or, or certainly would give strong consideration to it is if they've locked up the number one seed right now. It's, I believe, uh, Kansas City in the AFC, and it should be Philadelphia in the NFC. Those are the ones with the exception of possibly um, uh, Jalen Hurts uh, seeing some action to uh, to it uh, to do that. But the the wild card teams might be the ones if they've clinched their spot to arrest the uh, teams. And of course, in the AFC, it's going to be interesting because Cincinnati could still be the number one seed if they win out, and if somehow Kansas City loses to either Denver or the um, uh, uh, or, or um, the Raiders in Week 18, uh, that would um, give it to Cincinnati, who beat both Kansas City and Buffalo, should the three teams end up with the uh, same record. So keep that in mind as you approach Week 17 and especially uh, Week uh, uh, Week 18. Yeah, Buffalo, I think, is the number one seed because yeah. they uh, they won at Kansas uh, City uh, with uh, earlier earlier this year. Um, looking at uh, the number of games that we have seen some movement, the Steelers at the Ravens. The advanced line had the Ravens six and a half point favorites, and that was based largely on the expectation that Lamar Jackson would be back. And in fact, at the time, there was talk that Lamar Jackson would have been back for this past week, week 16. Of course, he wasn't. So when the game was reposted on uh, Sunday evening, uh, the Ravens were four and a half point favorites. And that, of course, happened after the Ravens beat Atlanta and Pittsburgh uh, had beaten uh, the the uh, Raiders on uh, Saturday night, uh, the Baltimore one earlier today. When that line came reposted, it's close to what the line is historically between Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh, and that's the home team favored by three. But this one uh, opened a uh, four and a half, and now bet down to uh, two and a half with Baltimore being favored. Uh, Miami at New England. This one's worth worth mentioning because of the move. Advance line: Miami two and a half point road favorites. Uh, the Sunday night line. Uh, uh, two-point road favorite, so a half-point adjustment. And then the news about Tua and the concussion protocol. So we've seen an injury-related move to where instead of being a two-point home underdog, uh, the Patriots are now a three-point home favorite. Colts and Giants, this one has had line movement. I mentioned the advance line was three. The Sunday night uh, line was Giants by three. And then uh, Indianapolis uh, uh, played on on a Sunday uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, Monday night against the uh, uh, the Chargers. Uh, the uh, line open three and a half has been bet up to six in favor of the uh, Giants. Uh, Panthers and uh, at Bucks, important game for both teams. The advance line seven and a half for the uh, Bucks. Panthers upset by the Lions. Buccaneers fortunate to get by the Cardinals. Uh, the line was reposted with the Buccaneers uh, uh, six and a half, and that was before the Sunday night loss. So when that game uh, was a Sunday night narrow win uh, at uh, Arizona, the line reposted Monday morning had uh, Tampa Bay a three-point favorite, and that's where it remains. So that was a significant adjustment based upon Tampa Bay uh, just getting through on the road against a very weak Arizona team. Uh, 49ers at Raiders. 49ers a four-and-a-half-point uh, advance favored when the line's came out Sunday. San Francisco was a six-point road favorite. However, it was announced, announced just a few hours ago, Derek Carr will not start the rest of the season for the Raiders. It'll be Jared Stidham. And uh, McDaniels, of course, should be familiar with him from his days in New England. Uh, the line, actually, I didn't see it taken down. I just saw it steadily increase earlier uh, earlier today. 
a, a four-point adjustment right now. The 49ers going steadily up from six to ten-point road favorites against the uh, uh, Raiders. Jets at Seahawks, I mentioned that. The advance line and the Sunday night line were both the same at Pickham. Uh, and I also mentioned that with the announcement that Mike White uh, will be the quarterback for the Jets. The line uh, was reposted or actually, yeah, it was taken off briefly earlier in the week. Reposted at two and a half Jets. Actually been bet down where the Jets are now a one and a half point road favorite. And finally, uh, the Rams at the Chargers. The Chargers uh, opened up as eight and a half point uh, uh, um Advanced favorites were actually bet up to nine before the came before the game came down. The uh, line Sunday evening went uh, back up at eight, so a little bit of an adjustment after the Rams looked so good possibly in that 51-14 demolition of Denver. Uh, and, and the line actually was bet down to six and a half. The game came off the board prior to the Monday night game. And interestingly enough, the Chargers have clinched a wild card spot with that Monday night win. The reposted line on Tuesday had the Chargers still at six and a half. Andy Isco with a little bit of an overview of the early advance lines we're talking about in Las Vegas. Andy, publisher of the great football newsletter, The Logical Approach. You can visit Andy at TheLogicalApproach.com to find out more about his services and his great weekly newsletter. Andy, before I let you go, right on the heels of your big win over the with the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, our listeners would love to know what you're looking at this particular week in the NFL as well. Well, another point to keep in mind, and I know you've, you have stressed this throughout uh, the years, must win does not mean will win in most sure. cir- in most circumstances because there are two different of must win teams. Must win to just get into the playoffs is different than must win to advance from the number two to number one seed. You can trust the team that must win, uh, especially against a weak opponent, to advance from the two to number one seed. You can't necessarily trust a team that, for example, right now may be uh, eight and eight and needs to win to get into the playoffs. Doesn't mean they won't win, but that might be factored slightly into the line. And sometimes it may make a difference. Sometimes it may not make a difference and the team actually loses. So uh, keep in mind, must win does not equate to will win. And must win itself has at least two different definitions. Uh, With that being said, I'm going to go with one of the must win teams because of the situation they're in, the way they're playing and the talent on the roster and the opposition. And that's the Green Bay Packers, currently three-and-a-half-point home favorites over Minnesota. I would suggest to the extent you can buy it down to three because that field goal is is critical in the NFL. It occurs about 15% of the time, but even that's a little bit higher than you than is significant because of the 15% that a team wins by three, sometimes it's the underdog, and the minus three is uh, – not come into play. I think if I remember the splits is like 9%. It's the favorite winning by three uh, and uh, 6% of the time. It's the underdog winning outright by three. So that's about 15% of all games. Uh, Looking at, uh, at this game, of course, we know the Packers are on a roll and interestingly enough, um, Aaron Rodgers did not say relax when they were in the middle of the struggles. He just basically said, uh, we'll get our team on a roll and see what happens. In fact, he was almost thinking he'd sit out part of the season if, if once the Packers were mathematically eliminated. They still don't control their own destiny, but they have a realistic path. They're facing a Minnesota team, and if you look at Minnesota, uh, they are 11-0 and in games decided by eight points or less, but 1-3 in, in games decided by double digits. All four of those games were double-digit games. Uh, they lost by 11, 17, and 37 points uh, to Philly, Dallas, and Detroit. And their one double-digit win, oddly enough, was week one at home 
against the Green Bay Packers. So a little bit of revenge in there for Green Bay. Green Bay playing especially well, and I don't mind backing Green Bay when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback playing in a must-win game. That's when the great players shine and carry their teams. And, of course, there are a lot of reasons why Green Bay did not play well earlier in the year, and a lot of it had to do with the departure of Devontae Adams and a lot of other new receivers that were being integrated into the uh, Packer offense. Uh, the Vikings, despite their 12-3 and record, they've actually given up more points uh, than they have scored, and they've allowed an average of 48 yards per game more. That's 402 yards than, uh, they've, uh, than they've gained, which is just 354. So they've really uh, outperformed greatly their statistics. Uh, Pack, uh, the Green Bay uh, allows just uh, 89 yards per game uh, less. I'm uh, sorry. The, yeah, the Packers allow 89 yards, 89 passing yards uh, per game less than the uh, Vikings allow. So Aaron Rodgers should have uh, some success in containing uh, Kirk Cousins and his passing. So hopefully the Packers will get a lead. They have a solid running game with Jones and Dillon. And uh, now Rodgers has enough targets to be able to put up points in this game. I look for Green Bay to win. I'll say seven to ten points. Although, since it's Minnesota, maybe they do get their first loss in a one-position game and they lose something like, I don't know, 31-23 or something like that. There we go. Andy Isco on the Green Bay Packers to continue this winning streak they suddenly found as they plod their way to make a playoff berth this football season. He'll lay them minus the points on Sunday for his complimentary play. Andy, a great job on the show once again this week, and maybe next week we'll be talking about who that $6 million man ends up being at the Circa in the Survivor Contest. We'll see what happens and how it all shakes out this yeah, week. That, can, that will not only be next week, it'll be next year. It'll be next year on top of it. Exactly yes. right. The calendar and year. With, and with that in mind, I'd like to wish you and Victor and all the Playbook staff, the listeners and viewers of this podcast, very happy, healthy, and prosperous new year in 2023. And likewise, Andy, right back at you. Nothing but the best. Be well and stay safe, my friend. I'll catch you next week. Thank you. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And with that, let's move over now to my awesome angle of the week on the football show this week. And I'll share that with you. It comes from one of my old black book systems. And one of our listeners, our good friends out there, the guitar man, Jeff Kabasiak from Edmonton, Canada, loves this particular angle. He reminds me of it every time it does come up. It's called Reach Out, I'll Be There. And what we're looking to do, and I put a little bit of a twist on this, Jeff, just so you know, uh, just to make it fit even nicer into the show this week. And what we're looking to do is to play an any NFL non-division dog from game 15 on out who's on a five-game exact losing streak. If they were a dog of four or more points in their last game, they're taking on a sub-666 opponent. We're doing this, playing on these Game 15 on out, teams on a five-game exact losing streak that were dogs of four or more the last game against these sub-66 opponents because since 1980, this angle has gone 10-1 and one against the spread. Only one loss since 1980. That's a 91% winning angle. And with that, we'll be playing on the Arizona Cardinals, which is not difficult to do when you're fading the Atlanta Falcons. Play the Arizona Cardinals for our reach out. I'll be there. Awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, before I hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports, let's turn it over to my good friend Jim Feist, one of the Playbook Experts at our Playbook Experts YouTube channel to find out what Jim's got on top for his complimentary play on Sunday's NFL card as well. Jim, take it away if you will. 
Hello, Mark, and welcome everybody to Playbook. This week, I think we have to look at the NFL a little differently. There's some teams that are trying to get in the playoffs. Other teams, the players, are always trying to save their jobs unless they have unlimited or uncut or no-cut contracts, like, say, a Russell Wilson, that um, it looks like Denver is sorry about that move, as are they in Arizona with Kyler Murray, paying a lot of money to guys that don't look like they even want to play. I'm not saying that's true, but that's the way it looks. Now, let's take a look at some of these games, and I'm going to look away a little bit to see the lines. And when you look, Tampa Bay was open at 7, down to 3. They're playing Carolina, means a lot. Win and you're into the playoffs, I believe. There might be some side things that have to happen. But uh, take a look at the Ravens. Six and a half down to three against the Steelers. Both these teams want to get into the playoffs. The Steelers are on the edge. That's the five o'clock game here in Vegas. Eight o'clock on the East Coast. You got Arizona, you got, let's see, other line moves that make a difference here. Oh, it's a big one. Miami, with two, of course, is in concussion protocol again. I think this is the third time. That is not a good sign. Uh, they opened two and a half, and now the Patriots are two and a half. The game is in New England. I don't think we're going to run into the same amount of bad weather that we had last week. And while I know it's not going to be quite as bad, that was ridiculous. But uh, let's look at some other games. Kansas City Chiefs over Denver. Uh, Denver Broncos, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, Russell Wilson. They did fire their coach. The coach was inexperienced. It was over his head, in my opinion. But Russell Wilson looks like a guy dropped off a cliff. I don't know what happened to this guy. The Giants went from three to five and a half. They're playing at home against Indianapolis. We all saw what they did the other night. Put Foles at quarterback. He was absolutely awful. Seahawks uh, opened one, and now the Jets on the road are two. Um, White is probably going to be the quarterback there. Zach Wilson looks like he's going to be inactive. San Francisco goes from four and a half to six at the Raiders. And um, then the, another one o'clock game, the Chargers go from eight and a half to six and a half over the Rams. Rams look awfully good the other day, but that was against the Broncos. We know that Baker Mayfield can play football, but he's not that good. He's still good. He's still one of the top 32 out there at this time. But anyway, I have a free play and this is what I'd like to talk about. Minnesota is probably one of the luckiest teams in the league this year. They have a 12 and three record, which is awesome. But their plus minus is very bad, very average. And the Green Bay Packers are coming on. And when you come down to, and this is in Green Bay, which we know the weather can get nasty there. We don't know that it will be. But uh, Aaron Rodgers, when he lights it up and he gets ready to play and he can play and he gets used to his weapons and starts using them properly, 
This is a very dangerous character. So my play this week is the Green Bay Packers. Now, the line opened two and a half. It's up to three, three and a half. I don't like laying these small numbers. This kind of play would be a money line play for me. However, if you can't get a money line play down, look for the lowest line you can get and don't lay over three. Anyway, thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for everybody there. And uh, we'll move on, try to get this winner in, and just keep an eye on the uh, the changes in uh, rosters, moves by coaches, teams that look like they might be playing, teams that look like they're quitting because we're going to have those. So good luck this weekend. Just like Andy Isco, Jim Feist likes the Green Bay Packers as well for his complimentary play on the NFL card on Sunday. Two wise men from Vegas and the Green Bay Packers. You might want to look at the Packers this Sunday. And with that, you might want to look at what Victor King's got on tap this Sunday. I know, Victor, you got a big 10-star game going this week. If you would, let our listeners know all about that and what you've got on tap for your complimentary play as well. Yeah, we certainly do, Mark. We've got a big one going this week in pro football. If you need a little more fuel to your fire, you know, Mark just talked about that awesome angle play on the Arizona Cardinals. And while we've been doing the podcast here, it was announced that Colt McCoy will be starting this week for the Arizona Cardinals. He's over concussion protocol. And we know how much more effective Arizona is on offense with Colt McCoy at the helm. So uh, I'm Good definitely news. I'm definitely in when it comes to the Cardinals this particular week. Now, Mark, we can't forget about all of our publications, Total's Tip Sheet, Midweek Alert, Playbook Newsletter, and, of course, our Playbook Bowl Stat Report. Everything, of course, available at the PlaybookSports.com website. And um, we've got a free play this week, and we're going under the total. We're giving the ball to our dog, uh, monkey, also known as Isabella, and she's going back to her comfort zone. What she does so well is playing divisional games under the total, particularly in a less than ideal outdoor setting. This week, that means under the total in the AFC East game between the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Now, this was already going to be one of our favorite top plays of the week anyway. Of course, with the Patriots offense regressing as of late and the fact that the Miami offense is now fading down as well. Andy just touched on this during his segment with the news that uh, Tua Atungo-Vailoa is now out of the game in concussion protocol. That means Teddy Bridgewater will be at the helm. And that makes it a lot easier for us to even pull the trigger on a low-scoring outcome. We will say this. The over-under line at one point was at 43 in this game. It's now down to 41.5. Don't go any lower than that. Play it as soon as you hear the podcast. Make sure you get a line of 41.5 or more points and go low. Obviously, I mention that because... The number of 41 in the NFL is indeed a key over-under number. Now, AFC East games, they've already gone 80% under the total this year, including a perfect 0-4 to the under when the OU line is 44 or less points. 
And in the last five years, the AFC East Division games have gone a perfect 0-7 when, A, the home team is favored by less than a touchdown, like doing it is, over Miami, and the over-under line is 41 or more points. Now, Miami, they're still barely a winning team on the season, but they are off three consecutive losses in a row. Dating back to 2012, we get a 1-10 over-under out of the database for all greater than 500, that's winning, underdogs of less than a touchdown if they're off three straight losses in a row. That applies to Miami this week. Last week, it was that non-conference loss, of course, to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, here we got an 0-6 over-under last two years. All AFC teams off a straight-up and ATS non-conference home favorite loss. That applies to Miami when the over-under line in these games is less than 45 points. And again, for the host Patriots, they're off that Saturday home loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, which also puts them in a very good under-the-total position. Uh, NFL favorites off a Saturday non-division home loss, like the Patriots, have gone a perfect 0-8-1 over-under since the 1994 season. Again, make sure your cutoff point is 41.5 or higher as we go under the total in this week's Dolphins and the Patriots game. We've got no problem riding what has been a fantastic under situation this year, and that's, of course, NFL division games played outdoors. It's as simple as that. This is one of those particular games. Dolphins, Patriots under the total. Uh, for our service mark, we've got our 10-star NFL game of the year. It's an over-under. It's a game going over the total. It's already up on the website, playbooksports.com. Join us for that 10-star play, a once-a-year best bet in the NFL. And beside that, this is our biggest weekend of the season here at Playbook in terms of 10 stars, as Mark has not won, but I believe two of them going this weekend. Best of luck with you, Mark. What do you got planned for this weekend? Well, we're loading up the 10 stars, Victor, for sure. You can play that monkey total Miami under 41 and a half for an appetizer, but make sure you get down on Victor's big 10 star main course on an overplay NFL total play of the year as well on Sunday. You can get it now at playbooksports.com. And speaking about 10 stars, I'm releasing both my college bowl 10 star game of the year. It plays Saturday and my NFL 10-star game of the year on Sunday. It's a double 10-star weekend for everybody listening or watching at playbooksports.com. Better yet, you can join me now and get everything I do, both the 10-stars, all my college bowl games through New Year's Day and all of our NFL selections for just $129 complete. It's a terrific buy. You can get it now at playbooksports.com or give our office a call toll-free to get on board for that big 10-star double Bowl and NFL Game of the Year special. You want to do it now, you'll be glad you did. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this weekend, just a quick note that our friends at mybookie.ag are offering, again, a double your first deposit bonus when you log on at mybookie.ag. Simply enter the promo code PLAYBOOK, and you'll get a double your first deposit bonus at mybookie.ag just in time to get in. Inboard, on board, I should say, for all of the College Bowl and NFL games this weekend. With that, let's move over to my complimentary play on the NFL card this week. 
We're going to take the points with the Carolina Panthers this week when they take on Tampa Bay. I talked earlier before about Tampa Bay struggles and how they're struggling thus far this football season. How about overall in all their games, 3-11-1 against the spread? 0-6 in their six home games to the money are the Tampa Bay Bucks. They've scored more than 23 points in only one game this year. That's next to pathetic, guys, okay? And yet they keep favoring them, and they keep because it's Tom Brady, because it's Tampa Bay, they keep pricing them, they keep favoring them, and they keep making the same mistake over and over and over. Carolina comes in this football game with a hot hand, especially since Christian McCaffrey parted ways and went with San Francisco. This team is on a roll, and in fact, they can win out and win the NFC South. Can the Carolina Panthers? They're nine and one against the spread when they come off a straight up home dog win coming into this contest here. They're playing the better football. And you better play Carolina plus the points if you want to cash a ticket in this game. That will be my complimentary play on the football show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports for another outstanding job on the show as always. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.